Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, July the 12th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, our training camp guide preview resumes with the tight ends, a big year ahead for Mike Gesicki, and a whole bunch of similarly built players vying for the same job. And we'll open up the Friday mailbag. And if we have time, we'll talk about the week three matchup with the Dallas Cowboys and recap the return to the softball diamond on Wednesday night. All of that and more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Tuned In, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. And you can find the show at LockedOnFins that has all the content for LockedOnDolphins.com, including Jason Harina's Devontae Parker piece, the entire staff's all-time favorite Miami Dolphins piece, and of course, all of these training camp guide pieces we're talking about on the podcast for the next week and a half or so. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins and first down today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. For the first two positions of the training camp guide preview, I've been praising the coaches of those particular rooms, the quarterback and running back room from Wednesday and Thursday's podcast. And look, the thing is, I'm always going to search for the optimistic view with regards to this Dolphins football team. I'll always do my best to be objective and give you the honest truth, but I want to tell you about the best case scenarios because, you know what, the way I see it, sports are supposed to be fun and we have real life to keep our hopes, our dreams, and our aspirations in check and in the reality realm of things. This is all for fun. This is all supposed to be an escape. So that's my approach to it. But with all of that said, I'm not as bullish on the leadership in this tight ends room as I am the other positions. And while it's probably unfair to project those concerns onto George Godsey, the Dolphins tight end coach, his experience just doesn't garner a lot of faith as a tight ends coach because he's only done it once before. And that, of course, came with the New England Patriots in the 2012 and 2013 season as their tight ends coach. But that was the only time he did have a tight end room under his control. He's been on other sides of offensive positions around the league, been in the league for about 15 years now, but he was with the Patriots and that obviously is where the connection comes from and with Miami's running scheme expansion last year that we talked about with Eric Studsville tight ends were given even more responsibilities and now that we have Chandler Cox here possibly Nick O'Leary and Durham Smythe in this role I think we're going to see a lot more H-back duties and the inclusion of the fullback means we probably have to have guys that are cross-trained at both spots at tight end and at fullback and we start here with the players with one of the guys that I think is 
in contention to be the primary starting tight end in 11 personnel packages with just one tight end on the field. Although I do believe he will basically share that package with our number two guy. But we start here at the top with Dwayne Allen, seven years in the NFL, his first with the Dolphins. When he came out of Clemson, he was pretty much a seam-busting pass threat, but now he has shifted entirely into an inline blocker, a guy that can move the entire earth in the running game and be a solid pass protector off the edge and give you an extra lineman. He signed a two-year contract worth $6.5 million in total, $1.3 million of that this year guaranteed, so we know he'll be here this year. We'll see about his future going forward with so many young guys in a similar role as him on this roster behind him and at 29 and a half and a half and a half year half years possibility that someone beats him out next year. But he's here this year. He played 431 snaps last year, only went out into pass pattern for 130 of those. 44 were as a pass blocker and 257 were as a run blocker. He was exceptional in pass blocking last year, but the rest of his game, according to Pro Football Focus, was a struggle and he was the lowest graded player on the Patriots' entire offense last season. I have him as the primary inline tight end, playing about 60% of the snaps or so this season with Miami. Number two is Mike Gesicki, the guy that everybody's hoping can be that flex F detached tight end that can move about the formation and give you a bunch of different catches from different positions. But he comes into the season 23.9 years old on opening day, three years left on that rookie deal for $3.2 million in total. This, of course, his second year with the Dolphins, a former volleyball star, super athletic, but he had issues all across the board last year, often late off the snap. He was regularly chucked in pass protection and rerouted in pass pattern. His lack of functional strength and contact balance was frequently on display, but he did add some weight this offseason. He looks a little bit more cut and defined with his muscles and all that good stuff. On top of the challenges of adapting his game for the professional level, his usage last year was just very strange. 60% of his reps came in line. That's not who he is. The entire purpose of the rest of this position group assemblage this offseason, I think, was to get Mike Gesicki to really be able to move around and free him up to play that F position, which I think he will. He's the primary flex tight end on this team. And like Dwayne Allen, I too believe that he takes about 60% or so of the snaps, maybe even more than that, but that's where I feel comfortable putting him to start the season. Up next is Nick O'Leary. An in-season signing from last year, he contributed in the passing game, but more so in the running game. He was pretty much the star feature of that split zone running game, which uses an offset tight end to come back across the formation and dig out the backside edge, and that was his role right away. He played some fullback as well, caught a touchdown pass as a quasi-fullback in a goal line package last season. I think ultimately he serves as a backup tight end and backup fullback on this roster and plays anywhere between 20 to 30% of the Dolphins snaps. And the guy that you hope can push him for playing time is Durham Smythe, the fourth round pick last year out of Notre Dame, number 81, 24 years old on opening day. Also three years left on his rookie contract with 2 million bucks in total. And he's going to have to find a way to beat out Nick O'Leary to get himself on the field. He does a lot of good things in the ground game, hitting some crucial blocks to seal off big alleys. But he was pretty much a non-factor in the passing game, coming from a college offense where all they did was run the football. So he can be a bit of a liability at times, but I do expect a considerable jump from him this season. A backup tight end in that same role as Nick O'Leary, 20 to maybe 30% of the offensive snaps. We've also got Clive Walford, another built-up beefy tight end that can 
and play in line. He was a waiver claim from the Jets last year. The Dolphins also put in a waiver claim, but did not get him because of higher priority from the Jets. So now he makes his way back home to Miami. He's going to wear number 87. He's 27.9 years old on opening day, and the Dolphins will pay him $720,000 if he makes the roster. Of course, none of that guaranteed. And with that, the easy projection is to say that he is cut during training camp this season. And lastly, Chris Myrick, the Temple tight end, undrafted free agent. He wears number 85. He's 23.2 years old on opening day. He's an athletic player, but built like a house. He played at Temple, like I mentioned, which means you have to be tough to play hard-nosed football there. So he fits that role. I think ultimately he gets cut and winds up on the practice squad as the Dolphins' one tight end on the practice squad. The Dolphins clearly have a prototype at this position. Position. All these guys come in between 250 and 260 pounds with Gasicki basically as the only F type, the detach, move around the formation type. The rest are these bruising inline extra lineman type of guys that can establish an identity and establish the ground game. It should be interesting to see how the snap counts get delved out because a lot of these guys are on pretty even footing coming into the year. So that concludes the tight end position. We did running backs and quarterbacks earlier in the week. Next week, we're going to have receivers, offensive line, defensive line, and the linebackers. And next on the podcast, we're going to come back and take your Twitter questions. I think I've got 19 of them in there. Going to try to knock out all of those. But first, real quick... I want to tell you guys about a shirt that I'm actually wearing right now from Untuck It. Untuck It sponsors the Locked On Dolphins podcast with their shirts that are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work on the weekend or upstairs in your recording studio slash office. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com and use promo code MBA to get 20% off your order with Untuck It. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I don't think we're going to have time to get to the Dallas Cowboys on this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, but we will preview each of the Dolphins opponents before training camp kicks off here. We've got 11 more teams to get to, and I think I have eight more shows to do it. So a couple of these will have two teams per podcast. But with that, I want to jump into the Twitter mailbag. You guys gave me a bunch of questions on here. I put the call out on Twitter. You respond. I answer the question on the podcast and give you a Twitter shout out. And we start here with TSG Miami. Easy enough. He's at TSG Miami on Twitter. Will the Finns be a run first team? Yeah, absolutely. They're going to try to run the football establish that identity the entire production of the offseason if you want to call it that has been about finding guys that can move people off the football work in line extra lineman types at tight end we have the commitment to the running game with Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake and Mark Walton and Miles Gaskin and Chandler Cox for one Brian Flores is a throwback coach the Patriots ran the ball a bunch that's going to be the Dolphins MO this season while we try to figure out what we have in Josh Rosen Next question here comes from Cruz G. Ruiz. He's at Cruz G. Ruiz on Twitter. Nice rhyme. Who's the most expendable player on either side of the ball and the deepest and shallowest position on this team? I think the deepest position is running backs right now because I have faith in three or four of the guys to get the job done. I think, I believe, although I do think receiver's pretty deep as well without the top line guy. The most shallow position has to be the offensive line. I don't even know they have five guys worthy of starting, much less guys that can fill in as depth at that position. I really only have seven or so guys that I think are are worthy of making the team out of camp and that might even be stretching it. So that position's definitely lacking the depth there. 
As far as most expendable, I'll go ahead and say TJ McDonald because I don't think that he's going to find a real niche role in this defense. And I think that ultimately next season he winds up somewhere else with another football team just because he doesn't really fit the scheme. And his two years in Miami just have not been that impressive as it is at the safety position. So I'll go with McDonald there. The next question from Aaron Herman at DE underscore Aaron. If you had to buy a jersey of a player on the team today, who would you buy? I would go with Minka Fitzpatrick because I trust the way that guy works, that he'll be here long term. I, I love everything about his game. I love his personality. Very nice kid. Was very, very nice to me when I spoke to him in the locker room. So give me Minka Fitzpatrick because I trust his game and his longevity here. But I also love guys that put the work in and he definitely puts the work in. Next question here from Rockpile Report at Rockpile Report. My buddies Drew and Chris over there. I do their podcast a few times a year. They ask, as a podcaster, how do I cultivate my own troll following? I think what you have to do is just put yourself out there a lot. No matter what your product is, as long as you put yourself out there in the public forum, you're going to have people that dislike you or comment on your the things that you do. And the truth is, people really don't know you know, how difficult it is to, to keep up a certain level of quality, but also to be accurate on things like predictions in an industry where people want predictions. They want to hear your thoughts on things that haven't happened yet in a league that's almost impossible to predict. So just put yourself on the airwaves a lot, have a lot of content because you're going to be wrong a lot, and then people can get mad at you for various reasons. So that's the best way to do it. Next question from TJ Brackeen at TJ Brackeen on Twitter. Could you get Brian Flores on your podcast? There's no chance, no, absolutely no way he would do that. The Dolphins have been very gracious with me and allowing me to get access to this team, but the coach does podcasts, I think with the Audible, he has press conferences like almost every day the Dolphins are on the field. So I think that the chances of getting him on any podcast would be slim to none. So I'm going to say probably a 0% chance of that. Next one here from Matthew. He's at Matthew M. Writes. Hey, my t- my uh, Twitter account used to be at Travis Writes. If there was a complete redraft and redesign of the league tomorrow... Who would you take with the first pick? Which stadium would you pick? Which head coach and which uniform would you pick? Basically wants to know which my favorites are. I'll go ahead and knock these out with one word answers and not go too in depth. The draft pick is very easy. Give me Patrick Mahomes. The stadium, I think Hard Rock Stadium is awesome after the redesign. Plus you're in South Florida and you have that heat advantage. So give me Hard Rock Stadium. Which head coach? Bill Belichick. I don't care how old he is. The guy is way ahead of everybody else. So give me him. And which uniform? Give me the Dolphins throwbacks, baby. Those are the most gorgeous uniforms in all of football. Next question here from Y at iSweetheart. I believe her name is Yvonne. She's written in several times. How's it going, Yvonne? Who are your top five fantasy football targets? I do not play fantasy football, so I don't really have a great option for you here. I assume it's still running backs and receivers that really dominate the game. So give me the best guys at those spots on the best teams, like Michael Thomas, for instance. I think we have to go with Zeke Elliott and Saquon Barkley, even though the Giants are garbage. He is just very special. I'll take Devontae Adams. I trust him with Aaron Rodgers above a lot of receivers. You know he's going to score touchdowns. That's four, I believe. I've got one left. Let's go ahead and do Le'Veon Bell because I think that Adam Gaze will run him into the ground this year, kind of like Wanstead did with Ricky Williams back in the day. Next question here from Mr. Stubborn at Abduarte underscore one. Do you envision Miami being active at or around the trade deadline this season if it goes as terrible as a lot of the talking heads predict? If so, who is on the block? 
I think there's certainly some options the Dolphins could look to move if they are, let's say, 1-5 and five or whatever the record would be at the trade deadline. And that might be part of the reason why they gave Devontae Parker that contract. Let's say Parker plays well for five weeks, and maybe this team isn't ready to fully trust him after those five weeks based upon the last four years. And then you can get like a fourth or fifth round draft pick for him because that contract is so cheap. Somebody might be willing to pay for him and get a year and a half of his service for a fourth round draft pick. So let's go with Devontae Parker and get the trade done that probably should have happened at that time last year. Next one comes in from Rosenbud at Finsanity. Who are your favorite players to watch in the NFL not playing for the Dolphins? The quarterbacks for me are easy. I love Pat Mahomes. You guys know I love Kyler Murray. I love Baker Mayfield. I love Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. Love me some Dalvin Cook out there in Minnesota. Pretty much guys that are nuanced and crafty at the skills of the game, not so much in the physical measurables. Those guys are fun to watch for the athletic standpoint, like Tyreek Hill, for instance, is one of the funnest guys to watch. But I like guys that are so crafty in their skill set, like a Michael Thomas, like a Keenan Allen, like Adam Thielen, for instance. So pretty much all the receivers that can run incredible routes, those are my guys. And of course, the flashy dual threat quarterbacks. Love me some of those guys as well. I see Corey Ashburn wrote a response here. He's got some names on this list. Bobby Wagner was one of mine. You put Luke, Luke Heakley. Derwin James, yeah, he for sure is on that list. Quentin Nelson, what a fun offensive lineman to watch. Plenty of guys on that list. Agree with Corey's list and the names I threw up there as well. Next one here from Quarterback Film Room. He's at Quarterback Film Room. Could Fitz actually end up starting for the Dolphins for two years? You know, I actually could see that scenario playing out at least for two opening days because if he plays well for a certain amount of time this year, I don't think Brian Flores is going to take him off the field, especially let's say Miami is three and three after that Buffalo game. The schedule kind of softens up a little bit after that. If they stay right around 500 and Fitzpatrick is playing well, don't take him off the field. I don't think they will because then they could go into the draft next year, get AJ Epinesa or one of these receivers, come back with Fitzpatrick and Rosen and start the evaluation there again. And then you come back in 2021 and get a crack at a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or a Sam Hartman or a Tate Martell, whatever it might be. There's going to be options in that draft class as well. And if the Dolphins find themselves in the teens or the 20s and all these great quarterbacks in this year's class are gone and Fitzpatrick played well this year, sure, why not? I mean, I think I'm probably in the vast minority on that. But if he plays well, absolutely. Let's do one more here before the break and we'll come back and get to the rest of these questions. This one from Corey Ashburn. He's at Ashburn PFN. I'm interested in what content you consume. Do you have any subscriptions to websites? You've talked about podcasts and magazines you consume, but I don't remember if you subscribe to get others articles fire pods this week by the way well i appreciate that last sentiment Corey. this podcast week has been better in terms of me getting more enthusiastic about the content that i have i do my best on every show but there's always going to be shows that are better than others and it depends on the material you guys know i'm an x's and o's type of guy so having these position groups and their strengths and weaknesses to talk about that's been my favorite part of the last few months on the podcast here but as far as other websites and books that I read, I'm a huge Warren Sharp fan, as you guys well know by now. His website, uh, Sharp Football Analysis, is one of the best ones out there because it has so much data on personnel packages, and you can learn so much from teams' personnel packages. I'm a big, big proponent of pro football focus. Maybe not for their grades so much, but I love the signature stats, and the snap counts are invaluable there. Pro Football Reference is a site that every single football fan should have on their favorites list. Every Everything you want to know about every player ever is up there. 
I like the Draft Network dudes. I claim that they are the number one draft content website in the entire universe. As far as paying for stuff, I'm not going to do that because so many different sites offer great content that don't have paywalls. And speaking of paywalls, I do check out the Miami Herald and the South Florida Sun Sentinel and the Palm Beach Post from time to time. Not that often. And when it kicks me off for a paywall, I get frustrated. So I'd rather have the free content with the ads like this podcast, for instance, than I would to pay for the content because you just don't know which kind of writers you're going to get or what kind of content you're going to to get going forward once you pay for that subscription. And like I said, with all the free content out there and the fact that I put so much time into learning the game myself, I just, for me, I don't see the value for paying for something like The Athletic, for instance, especially the Miami version of The Athletic. Okay, we're going to take our last break here on the podcast. Before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Grip6 belts, and you guys know by now that today's show is brought to you in part by Grip6 and their ultra lightweight belts with no holes, no flap, and it's a great gift for the man or woman in your life. Go to Grip6.com. They have a special offer for you right now. It's Grip6 Grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. Grip6.com slash lock here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So we returned to the softball diamond last night. Just one game, which is such a bummer. We always have double headers, but the Ding Dongs running this league decided to put a ninth team into the league, even though half these teams can't get guys to show up every week. The defense we played against last night only had nine guys on the field, and because of that, I was able to use the entire field. That's kind of my game. I spread the ball to right field, center field, left field, basically depending on where the defense is and how they pitch me. I was able to get six at-bats in the leadoff hole, and there was a great at-bat that I had where the center fielder was talking to the right fielder, and he was shaded to right center field. The guy pitches me a meatball down the middle, and I basically just kind of threw my barrel at it and squared it up into left center field, and it rolled all the way to the fence on a little soft liner, and I basically trotted around the entire base all the bases and the shortstop was a cutoff man out in shallow left field. He catches the ball as I round third. I make eye contact with him and in softball, I always challenge the throw because most of these guys, 90% of the time, the throw is going to be offline, but he puts it right on the money and my foot hits home plate. The guy slaps the tag on my knee. I get in there safe with the inside the park home run, four for six, a big night. So I'm sure that my uh, troll account, not Winkler NFL, will love that take there. But softball is back. I love it. It was a long layoff. I'm glad to have it back. I'm also glad to have the mailbag here with me. And we're going to jump back into your guys' Twitter questions. This one from Leighton Stoffer, a longtime fan of the podcast and a very good contributor to the mailbag here. He's at Stoffer underscore Leighton. Would you like to see Miami pursue Melvin Gordon in a trade or perhaps free agency next season? Just my assumption based upon what this Dolphins staff and front office has done this offseason, I don't think they'd be willing to part with a draft pick for a guy like Melvin Gordon, especially with a new contract coming up. They sure as hell won't pay him the Le'Veon Bell money that some of the lesser, less intelligent fan or franchises rather will do kind of like Le'Veon Bell with the Jets or maybe the Oakland Raiders, for instance. I think they might look to extend Kenyon Drake, but even then, if Drake outprices himself with a big year, I could see them going away from him as well and just going with the young by committee approach that the Patriots had up there. So my answer to that question is a pretty hard no, even though I love Melvin Gordon. He's a hell of a player. Next question from Aqua, or Orange Aquaman. He's at Orange Aquaman on Twitter. Who is the wild card in training camp this season? The UDFA or one draft pick or the second to third year player ready to make a big leap? 
Who is the hidden gem ready to make that big step? Is it fair to say Jakeem Grant here? Because I believe very much so in Jakeem's Grant, not just as a return man, but as a receiver. I talked about it, and we'll talk about it on the Sunday podcast, I should say. I just finished up the write-up for the receiver portion of training camp for the Locked On Dolphins website, and we'll have it on Sunday's podcast. But I just wrote about how I believe that Jakeem Grant is the best option to play both inside and outside on this team. I think Kenny Stills kind of struggles out there at times, and Albert Wilson definitely does. I think Jakeem Grant has the best inside-outside ability. He's a big play threat. He's a crafty route runner. If he can just get off that press, he's a good looking player. If you want to go more off the radar, I'm going to take Jalen Davis because I think that he is feisty and fiery, plays an important position on the defense. He can play all over the defense in the secondary. Give me Jalen Davis as the long shot guy to really make a big impact on the team this year. Next one here from Raced. He's at Raced Eliana something rather on Twitter. Dude, I can never pronounce that one, so I'm just going to go past it. Question going on right now on Reddit NFL. Wanted your take. If the league had a reset and you could only keep three players, one offense, one defense, and one of your choice on the Dolphins and rebuild the rest of the team, who would it be? That's very easy for this team because they have three blue chip players, in my opinion. Laramie Tunzel, Xavier Howard, and Minka Fitzpatrick. I think Christian Wilkins would garner some respect in that regard. Jerome Baker and Raekwon McMillan as well. Maybe even Kenyon Drake. But I'm going to go with the three blue chip players I think this team has in Howard, Tunzel, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Okay, we've got four more here. This one from Jack Cummings. He's at Jack Cummings 14. Follow the pod from Dublin, Ireland. Wonder what you'd think of an NFL franchise, presumably the Jaguars, relocating to London in the future. The thing about the relocation thing is it's not that much different than really a team on the West Coast, except for the teams on the West Coast that would have to travel over there. I think as long as you can sell the stadium out and get fans out there, which I know you guys could, I think it would be a fine thing. You just have to structure bye weeks in a certain way with the West Coast teams traveling over there. It would make scheduling more difficult, but I think you could ultimately make it work without having to make much changes to the structure of the league. So I'm all for it. If we want to expand this brand globally, I'm all for that. The fact that you're from Ireland listening to the podcast is better for me as a podcaster. So, hey man, if we can spread this game across the entire globe, I'm good with it. Next question from Clinton Parrott, at Clint Parrott on Twitter. The other coaches that left New England have had little success. What makes Coach Flores such an attractive candidate to break that trend? I don't know if there is really a attribute you can give him that would say that he is that guy. I think the one thing you notice is that he is really his own man and the Dolphins really put a strong emphasis on his leadership abilities and the fact that he's kind of here to oversee the operation and not just go be a quarterback guru or an offensive play caller or be that defensive guy like Chuck Pagano was for instance. He is here to direct this football team put together a good staff and that's the big difference to me. The fact that he was able to put together a staff that on paper is very impressive and you're going to get detractors that say they haven't proven anything yet but on paper these guys' resumes their pedigree what they have done with their respective position groups across the league this staff is impressive on paper and I think that's why Brian Flores got the job because he came to the meeting to the interview with his staff in mind and he said I can get these guys and these guys and they were like okay that's who we want we're going to go ahead and move forward and you're a leader on top of that all things good so his staff and his leadership definitely stand out Next one here from Isaac Wilson at ZachVT92 on Twitter. With everything else unchanged, would we have been better off keeping Ryan Tannehill and passing on Fitz and would Rosen beat out Tannehill for the starting job? I actually thought about this the other day, so good timing on this question. 
It's difficult because the 2018 Ryan Tannehill we saw, the answer is definitely no. But 2016 Ryan Tannehill is yes. Is he healthy? Is he still gun-shy like he kind of was last year when he came back from the ankle and shoulder and knee and all the banged-up parts that he had? If he were healthy, I would say yes. If he still kind of has that apprehensive mentality, I'm going to say strongly no. I do think that he would beat out Rosen for the opening day job, but much like I expect with Fitzpatrick, Rosen would ultimately take the job when Tannehill goes into one of those slides that he tends to have. Last one here from Robert Trivet. He's at Delaware Dolphin on Twitter. What is the number one thing you are looking forward to while covering training camp? I want to see the energy of these guys in practice and how they interact with one another. We've heard a lot about how the team kind of started to sour on the entire Adam Gaze experience. We heard Kenyon Drake say that he's ready to run through a wall for Coach Flores. I want to see that mentality. I want to see how much they run, how much they condition, how disciplined they are, and how they interact with each other. Are they having fun? Is it a workman-like mentality? I want to see if it's club med, if if it's the drill sergeant type or somewhere in between. That's what I'm most looking forward to is the way these guys interact with each other on the practice field. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this podcast. We do not have time to get to the Dallas Cowboys, but we will come back with that as well as the receiver position for Monday's podcast slash Sunday on the early release. But as for today's show and for the weekend, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Winkle NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Sunday, rather, not tomorrow. Tomorrow.